Welcome to Resilience Found, a podcast of stories shared in hopes to inspire, encourage, and most importantly, let others know they are not alone. Everyone has a story to tell. Do you want to tell yours? Today, I'm talking with Maylene in Seattle about her son's journey through anorexia and how she has been uh, becoming more resilient through this experience as a mother, and she wants others to be aware of um, you know, how uh, there isn't a lot talked about with this issue, especially within males. And so she's bravely come forward today to share her story. And with that, I want to say welcome to you, Maylene. Thank you so much, Andrea, for having me. Um, as I mentioned earlier, um, I'm a l- little nervous about this whole process because this is the first time that I'm actually, you know, coming out. I mean, I've, you know, come out to my friends and families, but this is this is a really tough um, conversation to have, especially as a mother. So thank you for having me. Oh, of course. And I'm very grateful to have you on today. I know you mentioned that one of the reasons you wanted to, to talk about this today is because this isn't something that's really talked about, especially for boys. That's correct. Um, so my son, Adam, is he's 17 years old. So he actually just got done with his, um, you know, his um, inpatient program um, about a couple months ago. So January. So it's um, it's a awakening for us as a family about anorexia, and because you don't expect it from boys, only girls. And one thing that I have to mention that Adam does not is so what Adam has is called orthorexia nervosa and what it is it's part of anorexia as well Um, it's a subgroup of anorexia what it is is um, it involves unhealthy obsession with healthy eating so that's kind of how um, it started and that's why it took so long for us to figure out or get him diagnosed with his disorder so so how can you take us to when you first noticed and you know how old was and how did you realize that this was something that was yeah. So Adam Adams is never been um, he's never been had any issues with the way he looks or he's never been heavy. Um, and our family we we because we have two boys, so um, we talk about everything about boys. Like, you know, when they went through sixth grade and and they talk about sex ed. So we have that conversation at the dining room table. We talk about it. When Adam started to, um, you know, think about driving, um, we talk about as well as, you know, the things that you need to worry about when you're driving and drinking and driving. So it, nothing is off limits with, with our family when it comes to, you know what's the what's going on outside our four walls we are not we know that our kids are not uh, perfect and they're not angels so we we know the things that they could get in trouble and also the fact that my husband is a police officer so you know they see and they know that you know what got you know what's going on outside the our house so um so we've been really very vigilant as a, as a family, as a husband and wife, vigilant on what's going on, the social stuff that's happening with our kids at school. And, you know, we're involved, but not, we're not a, like what you consider a helicopter parent. Um, so we, 
I, I think the, the, the first sign um, was, um, and looking back and, you know, um, would be the freshman year of Adam going into high school. And he, he's, uh, he's very athletic, um, very outgoing, but he, he tends to have kind of not an obsession, but when he wants something, he just puts a lot of his effort, his, and, you know, in, in that specific um, topic, uh, it could be football, it could be anything, but he's going to put all of his, his energy, everything, his, his whole life is basically focused on just that specific uh, thing. Um, so another thing that he does is he's a, he's a black belt, he's triple black belt in Taekwondo. Okay. And this is a kid who, um, you know, at, at uh, a, age seven, I would say, came up to me and my husband and says, mom, do not, you know, waste your money on putting me on like soccer or basketball because I don't like those kinds of um, sports and put me someplace where I'm in charge of myself. I'm not, I don't want to be in charge of anybody else. And so that's why Taekwondo became his sport. And he did it for, you know, for seven, uh, seven years. And he was black belt three times. And so one morning he woke up, uh, it was seventh grade or sixth grade actually, came up and says, mom, I'm ready to play football. And I said, okay, well, that's great. Playing football, none of us know how to play football. My husband doesn't, you know, <laughs> watch football or anything like that. So, um, so to us, it was kind of, that's weird that he wants to play football. And from that start, from sixth grade on to now, football has been our life, um, you know, and, and I never realized how good he was at playing football until his first game. It's like my husband and I literally look at each other and it's like, is this our kid? You know, because we've, we've never heard him talk about football. I mean, he taught himself to, uh, to play football basically. And so wow. that was kind of who is Adam. He's very like, if he wants something, he's going to go for it. And he's going to put his hundred and hundred percent on anything that he likes to do. He wants to do. So we kind of noticed that with him, but really not looking at it as a negative thing. It's like, oh my God, he's so focused. This is a good thing. And so freshman year played football. He's amazing. He, you know, he, he was doing really well school-wise. Um, he was, you know, excelling in school as well. Uh, he hates math, but that's the only thing that he doesn't like. But other than that, he, everything was doing well. Uh, he was doing so well in school. And that I would be... I mean, I, I think I felt like I was so lucky, you know, we were so lucky. It's like, oh my God, you know, we hear other parents saying, oh my God, this is what we're going through with our kids. And Jeff and I, or my husband and I would say, oh, well, sorry, but our child is really perfect, you know? So it, it's never been a, he never really, you know, got in trouble or anything like that. I mean, there's always the fight at home, but never been, uh, you know, a crazy fight. Um, so anyway, like a teenage thing. Yeah, teenage stuff. Yeah. Um, so we kind of just let him do his own thing. And one thing that I also do with the kids is that when they were younger, we don't have this, um, like a lot of family, you have to have breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Um, 
we don't tend to have those kind of meals. Uh, we have, you know, when you're hungry, you eat, you know, but we do have uh, dinner at least three times a week. That's kind of the only time that we will, you know, that that's a non-negotiable, but a lot of the times the kids will eat when they're hungry. Um, and our doctor said, you know, don't, don't have a formal breakfast or formal, you know, lunch, because a lot of the times kids do not, you know, eat when they're full. They're, you know, they're, they'll eat when they're hungry. So we kind of just went with that uh, way and style of, of parenting when it comes to food. And there's no bad food or good food or healthy food and junk food. Um, so we don't limit on what type of food they're eating um, because they're so active anyway. And so we've always been so open to, to stuff. But we notice as the kids are growing and, you know, entering into freshman year, Adam became more of, mom, I don't want to eat food at the cafeteria at school. Can you make me food? And that's fine. You know, I make him, you know, salad and he's very specific about his food. And so I make him salad and then kind of just evolve with that. Um, so one kid is, you know, my, my youngest son, Max, was was totally the opposite of Adam. He's like, we'll eat fried chicken if he can every single day or McDonald's every single day. And yet Adam would eat the most healthy food like salad or you know fruit or a smoothie and and so we didn't think let um we weren't worried about it so i think that was the beginning when things started to happen and it just happened so quickly andrea and that's one thing that you know that really was very scary because we went from freshmen at you know 175 to August of 2020 at 116. Um, so that was how quick it happened, and and we didn't even know how it that it happened so quickly. But that's kind of where it started. And again, as a mom of two boys, I mean, if a kid tells you, "Mom, I just want to eat healthy food," of course you're gonna give you know and. You don't have to fight them with, you know, vegetable and working out and being active. It's like, who who would question those kinds of things, right? I mean, you would never, ever question that, like, it's a bad thing to eat healthy food all the time or, you know, or exercise all the time. And so I think that's kind of why we didn't see anything wrong with it. And but, so, you yeah. know, when I hear... Um... I can just ask. I didn't mean to step on no, you there. Okay. Um, <laughs> you know, when I talk to friends, you know, my son's only two, so yeah, you know, one, I'm sure he'll be uh, eating a lot as he gets older, right? Yeah, and um, you know, because I hear about teenagers that are just eating their parents like out of the house. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, right? and that's something that you noticed. I mean, was he eating? especially playing football, like, did he just want to eat a lot more? Or was it just more like, I just really want to eat healthy? It's so that's one thing that a lot of people think that, you know, anorexia and orthorexia that, you know, when you have an eating disorder, you just stop eating. There's a, you know, in, in when I was growing up, the extent of my knowledge of anorexia was Karen Carpenter. I don't know, you're probably too young to remember her, but yeah. <laughs> but that was my my only, you know, knowledge of anorexia, which is basically not eating and being thin. Um, whereas 
Adam, that's and one thing that we also thought that was everything was okay was, but he was eating. He was eating. He's not, there's not a day or the time that we could recall that he wasn't eating, but it's the amount of what kind of food he's eating and also the amount of exercise that he's putting in um, every single day. So, um, so that's kind of the, those are the two things, two, those fa- two factors are the, what causes him to be orthorexia. Because it's not about the obsession of being thin. It's not about um, looking good. It's more of being healthy. And so, yeah. So you said in 2020, did you say it was August of 2020? Yep. So we went on vacation. So COVID happened. And mm-hmm. um, in, in February, I got really, really sick. And I was actually sleeping in our family room. And um, so I, because I didn't want the kids and my husband to get sick as well. And so I would wake up at two o'clock in the morning because somebody was opening the door into our garage. And it's like, what is going on? And this would happen for several nights. And so finally on like, I think it was the third night I got up and, um, and uh, I went in, uh, went into our garage and I saw Adam working out at two o'clock in the morning. And I, and so basically that's when I say, wait, Hey, what's, what's going on? What, why are you working out? And he says, well, mom, I can't sleep. And I think that was the start also of COVID, you know? Um, So we've been, you know, we've been seeing a drastic change in him. Um, But August 23rd, I know actually it's August 20th is when we took him to the emergency room. So prior to that, he was, he was, um, he was really thin, but again, like I said, he was eating and he's working out, but the amount of workout that was happening was, was crazy. It was like three hours on the treadmill. Uh, and then on top of that, sometimes he would be working out with friends at the, you know, at school, um, that we didn't know that was happening, uh, conditioning, things like that. So, but the, the initial part of, of 20, you know, part of 2020, um, we starting to see the the changes in his body. So when, you know, he was one, I think he was 195 when we saw a drastic change to 155. And so we took him to the hospital, I mean, to, you know, see doctors, but it wasn't recognized as a problem then. So did you, you know, prior to taking him to the doctors or even after, Mm -hmm. you mentioned how you have this great relationship with your family. You guys are very open. Did you and your husband ever say to him like, Hey, what's is something going on is what's wrong or we're noticing this? Yeah. I mean, I, you know, looking back, we have, we'd never really have that conversation, but a lot of the people, like a lot of our family members, especially my, my side of the family had mentioned it to me. It's like, Hey, Maylene, we noticed that Adam is losing weight. What's going on with him? So it's in the back of my mind that there's something is going on. But then again, we were taking him to the doctor and, um, you know, to see the doctor all the time. And, and the doctor would always say, Hey, there's nothing wrong with him. He's just a kid. He's growing kid, you know, um, you know, and 
several times that we even talk to the doctor about it and say, hey, do you think he's getting too thin? And again, the same thing. It's like, no, he's doing fine. He's within his, you know, uh, limit, uh, weight limit or whatever. Um, but again, you know, and the conversation was happening between me and my husband, but yeah. not with Adam. And I believe there was a point where we did ask him, is there something wrong with you? Are you, why are you not, why are you getting so thin? And, and he was like, oh, well, because I'm working out, mom, you know, like that kind of um, brush off, I would say. Um, so, but it was never, um, it was, it was a concern, but not a concern. Yeah. Well, I mean, and they say, right. I mean, this is like a classic thing that people don't notice you're losing weight because mm -hmm. they see you all the, all time. the time. Yeah. Yeah. So your family members, when they see them, they're like, oh, yeah. You know, yeah. outsiders are more observant. Mm -hmm. Right. And also, when people would ask me that question, even my family members, it's like, well, Adam is getting thin. The response that I would give them is, but he's eating. He's eating. There's right. no, I mean, he, again, there was never a, a moment that Adam is not eating. He's eating. It's just the type of food that he's eating. So that was kind of the, like an awakening for us to, to realize that anorexia is not just about not eating, it's about the type of food. And so he, that's when I think he was diagnosed that it's not anorexia, it's, it's anorexia. It's not this body dysmorphia, it's anorexia. So there's a lot of, you know, a lot of things that we went through prior to us getting diagnosed. So the, you know, the August, August 20th, that uh, time was when he's finally diagnosed. But by the time he got diagnosed, he was already so sick. He was already so malnourished, you know, and um, he was 116 pounds. His heart rate was 38. Um, he was, um, he, his top of his heart was not working anymore. Only the bottom part of his heart was working. Things are starting to shut down. His kidneys are starting to shut down. So it was such a, a big jump from, yes, he has a problem to, oh my God, he's going to die kind of right. situation. Yeah. And how, you know, cause you mentioned that his doctors, the initial ones mm -hmm. that you, assuming that was probably his pediatrician. Yep. Yep. No, no, he's just a growing boy. Yep. And how did, how did you get the diagnosis? So when the last visit that we did was July of 2020, before we went on vacation. And this is when my husband and I finally decided, and this is like my husband's parent. So we left Adam and my other son at Lake Chelan for a couple, for a week because we were trying to get ready for our vacation and we were driving to, to Utah. We were doing our family, you know, trip. Um, so we got a call from Jeff's mom and dad, and he says, you know, we need to talk to you because Adam is not eating. And so in that, that conversation that we had, or my husband did with his family, um, his mom said, Jeff, if you don't do anything with Adam, you are going to lose your son. 
and I think that was, we were so pissed. I remember so pissed when, when my husband called me at, at work and says, guess what my mom said? You know, if we're not doing, if you don't do anything about Adam's situation, I said, what situation? Adam is eating. And so that was kind of the, so, so because of that, we went and saw our doctor. And I said, okay, we need to talk. This is not normal anymore. He is losing too much weight. And so that's when the doctor, his, um, his, you know, his regular doctor said, well, you know what, Maylene, here's the number to call. I think I'm, I'm not able to help you with this one. And he realized that he, he doesn't know what else is wrong with Adam basically, because if we run all the tests, blood tests, everything, his, you know, his blood pressure, all of that, it's normal. So, because we weren't looking for the eating disorder, it was never a com, you know, even a conversation with him. He had diagnosed him with uh, body dysmorphia, but it wasn't really about body dysmorphia because he doesn't, he doesn't, um, he doesn't have any of those symptoms, or you know, they have checklists, so things like that. Um, but that 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 day that I remember going in and talking to the doctor, um, he said, "Maylene, I can't help you anymore." Here's the number to uh, adolescent clinic at Children's. Make an appointment and they will help you. And so that's when, um, and during that time, because of COVID, everybody was so busy and they're not accepting, you know, um, new patients or anything like that. So we really pushed. So we, that was July. And then the, the first time they saw us was August 13th. And the time wow. that we saw doctor, our doc, uh, eating disorder doctor, within hours, because they have to go through the different tests, and we were there all day. The first hour, she came out and said to us, Maylene and Jeff, your son has eating disorder. He has anorexia. And Jeff and I lost it. And, and I could still feel that pain. And I'm sorry, I'm getting emotional. Don't be sorry. <laughs> you know, and it was so like, what, what are you talking about? You know, like we were so, it, it felt like we were so, we were blindsided by the whole thing. And, um, and so she brought Adam in and told Adam, Adam, you have your, you have an illness called anorexia. And Adam is like, what, what are you talking about? You know, kind of Mr. Cool. Um, and, and she gave us all of the, the checklist and he says, here's what you need to do. Next visit to the doctor, which is the following week. If you show me that you ate six meals a day and also did not exercise, then maybe you don't have anorexia. That's what she said, but she knew Adam had anorexia. He's, he's trying, she's trying to get a buy-in from Adam. Okay. And so our following visit was Thursday, August 20th. And she kind of gave us an idea if, you know, if, if, if your heart rate is this low and if you're, um, you know, then we will take you to the emergency room and then, it's not going to be a choice anymore. So she kind of gave us, kind of prepared us on what's going to happen at the next visit if 
Adam, um, you know, EKG, all of that stuff that the test would show, um, then this is what the next step is. So when we got there on August 20th, again, they weigh them in and also they check their blood pressure and they check their um, resting heart rate. And we were sitting in the off in the room with Adam, and all I could remember was, doctor. The doctor came in and says, "Maylene, I called the ER at Seattle Children's, and they're waiting for you." And I said, "What do you mean?" Like I, I still, I felt like I was still being blindsided. What are you talking about? And she says, "Adam's heart rate is 38." <sighs> And I stood up and all I did was, I, I held Adam so tight and he was crying. And my husband's face was like, what did we do to our son? And you, you stood there and you just listened. And I can't even remember, Andrea, the, the things that the doctor said to us. All I remember was calling my sister and saying, we're heading to the emergency room right now. We need to take Adam to the hospital. Can you keep an eye on Max? That was the only thing I remember that day. And when it's we, like yeah, it was like, just... everything was a blur. Everything yeah. was a blur that day. And we were waiting at the emergency room and the emergency doctor came up to us and says, your son is really sick and he could die. His part, top part of his heart is no longer working, only the bottom part, and things are going to start shutting down. And, and, I, and my husband just kind of just, he slumped into the, like, the seat of the, the waiting room. And, um, and then he, the doctor said to us, um, why did you guys take this long? Oh, to bring him in to the emergency room. And, and I'm just like, what? Yeah, what? what <laughs> yeah. Was, I mean, I, you know, I'm sitting here as a, as a mother listening to you describe this in such raw, vivid detail. And, you know, my heart and I'm sure our listeners' hearts are just aching. And, to then to turn around and hear a doctor say that, I mean, what, what's going through your yeah. head? Um, I was so angry. I was so angry. And I think this is the start when I start using the F word. <laughs> and, you know, it's like nothing is holding me back now. I was just, just so angry. I mean, I, was, I wasn't sure who I was angry with, myself, my husband, my, the doctor in front of me. It's like, what the F are you talking about? We went from getting diagnosed last week to here, you know, like it wasn't, um, it wasn't like, it was like out of, uh, out of body experience, like, because we were okay. Like in my mind still it was okay. And then all of a sudden that, that, you know, like in the movie where you see blue skies and all of a sudden when things are bad is something bad happening is like all of the gray sky you know clouds come in that's how it felt that's how it felt like 
that was the cloud. Like, what is going on? Like, you know, something bad is happening. And, and he said to us, like, why did you guys, why did it take so long for him to come to the emergency room? And I said, because we didn't know that he's sick. And I don't think he was trying to blame us either. Like, you know, uh, it's more of, I think of how we, we took it because we felt we were being blamed. Like we were doing the right thing. We were going to the doctor. We're seeing the doctor, you know? Um, but I right. think at that moment we were felt like we were being blamed. And for the longest time, Andrea, we felt like that, you know, throughout the whole process. You knew you weren't neglecting the issue. You were mm-hmm. trying to run help all along. Yeah. But as and a, in such an emotionally charged moment too. Yeah. As a, yeah, and as, but as a, as a mother, like, you are responsible for your child. That was what's going through my head. Like, I am responsible for this child. How did I let this happen? How did I let this go on for this long? And so you start questioning every single thing that you were doing as a mom. And so it was, it was that moment that I just felt like, God, you you do not deserve to have a child. You do not deserve to be a mother. You you know that all of the things, like even the people around you, you felt like you're not good enough. Um, because you let this thing happen to your child, and that was the that was kind of the process, like the the things that was going through our head. We just kind of let that go on like you you felt so guilty for for you know for a long long time and so um so yeah it was just one of those moments where you can't I can't even think I was not thinking anymore like you're like you're on an autopilot like nothing else is important um you we were awake 24 seven. Um, my husband called his work and says, we're not coming. I'm not coming in. I called my work the same thing. Like everything that we were doing is just for Adam. And how, so I'm assuming that they admitted him. Mm-hmm. So cool. we were, uh, in the hospital until, uh, like, I think I want to say 53 days later. So we were in the the hospital for 53 days at Seattle Children's. Um, And during that time, we have to go through. um, So when when he was admitted to Seattle Children's, he's not allowed to do anything. He was bedridden um, because he cannot use enough. He's not allowed to use energy at all because his heart. So one thing about with anorexia or orthorexia is that when you hit that 38 uh, resting heart rate, you basically could go into cardiac arrest. So anything that you do, exertion or anything like that, um, could cause that. He doesn't, you know, like the way the doctors were explaining it to us that if um, in the in the middle of the night, you won't even know that he had a cardiac arrest, basically. and And that's what that was happening. So we were, you know, he's very limited on the amount of, of time that he, you know, he's up. So for example, um, he could only take a shower 
um, you know, the first couple of weeks, he didn't have any shower at all. Uh, he's not allowed to get up at all. Um, and then during that time, you only have two minutes to, to brush, to, you know, to be up, to go to the bathroom, and then back to your bed. And you are monitored. Uh, you have to eat six, six meals. And the amount of food that he's taking is uh, running from starting with 2,400 calories to by the time we left Seattle Children's was 6,000 calories a day. Wow. Yeah. And so during that time, we saw Adam go through this, I hate you, to I really, really hate you. What have you done to me? Why did you do this to me kind of thing? So feeling the guilt already as being a parent, and then now your child telling you, how dare you? You know, you're, you call yourself parents, and you should have known that I'm sick. Like it was because he was so angry because he couldn't do anything that he wants to do. And so, um, and you, I, we watched him try to eat a piece of cheese and he's shaking because he won't put it in his mouth. He was, uh, the doctor was saying, basically, if you don't eat that, then we'll put an NG tube. So you'll take your food that way. So, um, so things like that, it was we, for 50 something days, you know, we were watching him and really just focusing on, on him. And, and at the same time, you know, when he's asleep, Jeff and I, my husband and I would, um, research about this illness and, um, and it's so scary because it's a, like I mentioned to you, I, I think on my email that this is a, the highest amount of um, uh, mortality is eating disorder compared, uh, you know, number two to, um, to opioid. Wow. Yeah. And it's, and this type of, um, mental illness or disorder is, ba is basically the highest mortality and especially on boys. Um, and so we were, you know, we had no idea, no idea at all. It was one of those things where, again, I keep using that word blindsided. That's what we felt is we were blindsided. And during that time, we really did not bring in families, you know, help. Um, we kind of just become a, a, this cook, you know, like hermit basically around Adam protecting him because we didn't want people to think less of our son. Um, okay. You so know, that was gonna be a question was, you know, where were you and your husband turning for support? Um, well, so my, my other son, Max, who's 12 years old, um, we, we took, we basically asked our, my in-laws to take care of him at Lake Chelan because still during that time, we still have time with, you know, um, transitioning into virtual, virtual class. And so he's able to do a little bit of that. And then, um, but during the initial, I would say four weeks of, of the diagnosis and being in the hospital, we didn't have anybody. Uh, we have family members that would visit, but they can't really visit. And so we would talk to them, but very much very like, oh yeah, Adam is doing well kind of thing because we didn't really want anybody to know what was going on with Adam because then it was classified and we found out that it was classified as mental illness. 
and and again that stigma of when you say mental illness it's like we don't want that we don't want our kid to have that on top of being anorexia anorexic right so we didn't want that label at all or would you say you were uh carrying shame oh yeah big Uh, time oh i mean guilt shame everything (laughs) everything um because we at first we we were saying you know we didn't we didn't want to share that information just because we don't want adam to be labeled but i think it's mostly because we're shame of of what that would do to us like here we are in this you know like you know, like, you know how in in uh, virtual world of Facebook and Instagram, everything looks beautiful. Everybody's on vacation. Everybody looks tan. Everybody is, you know, looking great all the time. So we we felt like that was our, our what we want people to see, that we're perfect, you know, in a sense. Only the good stuff. <laughs> Only the good. Yeah, only the good stuff. Yeah, the the Facebook life, right, or the Instagram life. So we didn't want. I mean, we were ashamed of of what it is, and and we don't want that tarnished. That 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 person, the person that we have created, you know. So we didn't want anybody to to feel sorry for us. I think it's another word that we didn't want anybody to felt to feel like, oh, you know, you poor thing. Uh, we didn't want that at all. And so, so what, what, I mean, so 53 days in the hospital is mm-hmm. not a short time. And no. I mean, how did you, what kept you going? I mean, if you didn't, if you weren't really utilizing a support system, um, kept you <laughs> well, during that 53 days in the hospital, we, um, so when Adam was stay, his heart was stable enough. So his heart went from 38 to 42. And so where he, the the hospital unit where he is um, his at is basically twenty four seven care. Uh, he has one nurse, um, you know, that rotates a.m. p.m. Um, basically, and Jeff and I were there in the hospital with him, alternating when um, at, when my other son came home. We have to alternate, and one 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 parent is at home and then the other parents at the hospital and we'll do that you know the whole time and then um i think towards the middle of that stay i i would i want to say about 20 day 25 days um we had to move him to pbmu so i don't know if you know what pbmu is It's, it's basically a psychiatric ward for kids oh yeah and um and um, because the doctor said, because this is part of mental illness. So his heart is now, you know, he's medically stable with his heart. He's from 38 to 40. So he, he doesn't need that 24-7 um, care, like with, a, you know, with, with, um, with nurses uh, uh, next to him, pretty much sleeping next to him in, in, the, in the room. And so we were transferred to PBMU which is the, the psychiatric ward for kids. And, and this is uh, kids with, you know, with different type of mental illness. The youngest one was five years old and, um, and the oldest one was 17, which is Adam. And it ranges. 
So, um, you know, behavioral problems, things like that. So we put him in there. And that's, I think, was the time when it's another, like, um, another punch in the gut, basically. Because now, okay, heart, now mental illness we have to deal with. And um, there are times where they would do a lockdown inside the, the facility because uh, a kid was having some, like, behavioral rage. And so when that was happening, like, Jeff, my husband and I were just sitting there and listening to, to some kid yelling and screaming. And then, and that's when we, we realized that, you know what, we need help this is not healthy anymore. You know, like we are so ashamed of, of what's going on with Adam or is it us that we're ashamed of or are we ashamed of for him, you know? And so, um, so a lot of, when, when we got there, um, the, the nurses and the, the therapist and they start giving us kind of the places to go and, you know, people to see groups, um, you know, that have the same problems as we do or kids. And so we kind of started with that, which is the, the group part. And, um, and we were, I was reading so many things about mental illness, about eating disorder, that it kind of just, that's kind of the start where I feel like start opening up with my family and my, you know, the, the rest of the, my friends, um, is letting them know what's going on with my life um, because it was the time where we need to be, we figure out that this is going to be a long process. This is not going to just, we get out of the hospital and then everything is going to be fine. Um, with this particular disorder, he is going to be anorexic or orthorexic for the rest of his life. He's going to have tendencies where he's going to go back. So just like an alcoholic person, that he's always going to be that. And so I can't hide that from anybody. Nobody could hide that from anybody. So, um, and I wasn't willing to hide that from anybody because it's going to affect the whole family. Like my whole, you know, like me and my husband and my other son, it's, it's going to pull us apart basically. And so that's when I made it, we made a decision that we need to be more, we need to figure out what's going on. Like not in a sense of his diagnosis, but it's more of what is going on with our family. Do we want this to be a secret uh, you know, our, our skeleton in the closet kind of thing, or, or is this something that we need to figure out as a family and, and talk about it? Right. Yeah. I mean, and so how is he now? So, um, after his 53 day stay at the, at Seattle Children's, he was, uh, again, the next step was, um, inpatient mm -hmm. um, at an eating disorder clinic here in Bellevue. And so he stayed there for another 93 days. So we didn't see him. So the, the first 50 days, we saw him every single day. We were with him every single day. And then after that, um, he was admitted from, you know, from the day that he was released from the, from Seattle Children's, we, he was admitted to um, eating disorder clinic in Bellevue. 
and he was there for 93 days. So we didn't see him. The only time that would that we saw him was through either FaceTime or, I mean, literally like cut off from the world. He was cut off from 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 us while he is basically rehabilitating and, you know, talking to, to therapists and making sure that his weight restored. So that was 93 days. And January is when he came home from the hospital. So when we, we, when he came home from the hospital, he was, um, he's fully weight restored. So he was from 119 to 165 pounds. Um, and, um, and so he is physically, if you look at him, he's doing well. Um, you know, he gained weight, uh, like what we want him to do, but mentally, um, he's really angry. He, he has moments where he's angry at his eating disorder. He, uh, he has moments where he's really angry with us. He has moments where he wants to hurt himself because of what this has done to his body. Um, so it's it's kind of a roller coaster. I mean, physically he's doing well, uh, emotionally and mentally he's not there yet. It's going to be another. It's going to be a long process. Um, we actually uh, yesterday I took him to Seattle Children's to get his stress test because. Usually with kids with eating disorder, when they're fully weight restored, that the heart will basically bounce back to its normal, you know, uh, function, but his is not. So his heart rate is, uh, uh, resting heart rate is 45. So even an elite athlete does not have a 45 resting heart rate. It should be between 60 and, you know, 60, 75 for his age. And um, he's not there. And so, um, so what our doctor is saying that this is either his body is just taking its time because it's just gone through such a trauma or there is a long-term problem that, that caused from eating disorder. So we don't know yet. He's, we're going through the, 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 test right now. So we did the stress test yesterday and, and then they put a heart rate monitor, um, you know, to record his heart rate and make sure that he's, you know, it's not his heart. So things like that. I mean, we're still dealing with, with that for him, but, um, but he has moments where, you know, um, like I said, he, he's angry. Like he's really, really angry at, at the world, but there's also time when he is, He's very compassionate about the, the, you know, talking to people about his disorder. So, um, you know, and I want to help kind of thing. So he's doing that. He's constantly figuring out, you know, we, we don't have, we, we're trying to live at like in the moment, not in the future anymore or in the past. We can't because we could only figure out what's going on now. So I think that was the, the one thing that uh, we learned from this was that it's like you can't, you can't, you can't live in the past or in the future because it has, you know, future hasn't happened yet. The past, you can't change it. So right. what you have is now. And so as a family, that's kind of what we've been trying to focus on. It's just a moment, time, day, uh, minutes, sometimes seconds of each day.
how are you doing now? Um, I think I'm doing fine <laughs> until I, you know, I talk about it, I guess. Um, I, it, uh, I don't want to say I'm, I'm all better now <laughs> because I don't think the trauma of, um, uh, of the eating disorder, because I, st we still feel like we're walking on ice at home. Uh, I'm spending, you know, it, when, on my days off, I'm spending the whole day in, in the kitchen making food for Adam, uh, you know, six meals a day. I mean, you know, and, and it's a lot because you have to plan everything, but, but I think what, you know, what, what I've learned or what I've, help me cope through this is the that that I need to be more I need to out I don't know if it's the right word but out myself like be able to talk about it and I think this is the you know like I said this is the first step that I've done is you know talking about this on a podcast and also I posted something on Facebook uh, you know about my um his experience it was never it was never my experience it's his experience because I felt like it's his story not my story uh so um we've done a lot of I've done a lot of soul searching you know as a parent as a mom um my role in all of this um I think that's um that's kind of been my my focus um and and at the end of the day I mean I think that I need to set example for Adam. I need to, you know, because I felt so guilty for doing anything self-care before. You know, um, I would wake up at five o'clock in the morning and go work out. Um, and I feel guilty for doing that. Uh, but now it's like, okay, it's okay to do stuff like that for yourself. And so really focus on that. And um, and it's helping and, and being open to my family and to my friends. I mean, I have, you know, close friends that I, in the industry, especially in the industry that I could count on when I'm feeling really, really overwhelmed, you know, um, and um, I, I'm able to talk to them and uh, share my, my thoughts, my, you know, what I'm going through at that moment or what I'm thinking at that moment. Yeah. So I think I'm doing okay. And did you mention that there's a support group for parents? Yeah. Um, so there is a um, support group for parents. It's called, um, it's uh, under the NADA. It's National Eating Disorder Association. So if they just go to the website, there's different, um, you know, association, but basically depending on where you're at um, yeah. is, um, but um it will help, they will kind of guide you through the process of, of finding your group. Um, I found one on Facebook um, uh, that is kind of been my, my go-to, like if I have questions about anorexia or what we're going through, um, I go through that. It's called um, Parents with Anorexia, uh, with, with Kids with Anorexia or something like that. And uh, for our listeners, we'll put the yeah. Thing these groups and references that you're speaking of so that yeah. people can really access it. Yeah. It's so the, the Facebook one that I, I, 
belong to is called Parents of Anorexia and Other Eating Disorder Sufferers Support Group. And so, um, so that's kind of been my, my go-to. And, and, you know, sometimes I'll take, I, you know, a lot of the times there's, because right now you can't meet because of COVID. So a lot of the things that we're doing is by Zoom calls or things like that. So, so, um, I'm not good at those kind of stuff. I, I, you know, when, when for support group, I like the, the intimacy of people around a big table or sofa, you know, sofa and, and talk about your feelings. So, um, so I don't, I, I don't go to those yet, you know, the Zoom calls, but I, I do have a small group of people that I go to, but it's um, mostly a lot of the, the things that I'm doing right now is basically on the, the Facebook group that I, I work with and then NADA, like I said, the, uh, the, the eating disorder uh, group that, that kind of focus on, on specifically for Adam's uh, condition or illness. So, and I know that you and I had talked about this prior, but for our listeners, can you describe why you wanted to tell this story today? I think there's a couple of reasons. I think number one reason is um, I need to own this. I need to own what is what's, what I'm going through as a parent. Um, I think that's that's I think that would be the number one is is that I can't hide from from the shame of a parent with with a kid who has eating disorder, especially a boy, because there's so already, there's so much stigma around that being a boy and, and having an eating disorder. So, um, I need to, that's one of, I think one of the reason, but also I want parents to understand that it, it is not your fault. Really, it isn't. It's, there's so many things, so much unknown about eating disorder, I'm a, you know, that even doctors doesn't know. I mean, we went through 16 to 24, like I think 24 months of trying to figure out what was wrong with Adam. And, and we weren't bad parents. We, we were available for Adam. We had the resources, you know, and yet we got to a point where we almost lost him. So it really is, there's so much more study that needs to be done about eating disorder. And that I want to let the parents know that other parents that, you know, sometimes you, you know, it, it, it's scary at the moment when it happened, but you will get there to a point where you could understand it and and learn about it but it's not your fault that you're here you know it's not your fault that your son or your kids have eating disorder or something i i, I don't know i i think it's more of i want you to know that you're not alone that there's so much help out there if if you want to but again you have to look for it you need to know what it is that you're looking for and start with nada is the the you know the place to start there's a checklist for for kids with eating disorder you know um because i think our kids now are going through so much especially with covid being isolated from from the rest of the world and being home for the last you know year there's so much going on that sometimes they isolate themselves already and 
and they, you know, again, they, they learn it from us, you know, and so, but it's not our fault and have an open conversation. And I think that's the most important thing is having an open conversation with your kids. Don't pretend that nothing is wrong, that everything is okay, basically. This has been just a, I mean, I've been hanging on every word you've been saying. (laughs) I learned so much just in this conversation. And admittedly, I did not know a lot about anorexia, let alone how it affects males. Yeah. Obviously, it affects females as well. But I mean, I just didn't know the different types. And, you know, and as a mom, hearing you describe the emotion, I want to acknowledge that you are so courageous for coming on here today to tell your story, tell it so candidly, so open, um, so real. And I'm so thankful. Yes. And I I am so thankful that you did this. And I know that someone out there listening Mm -hmm. is going to find value in this. And that is so powerful and so huge. (laughs) And you should be so proud that you... But you put this out there. Thank you. I, I think it's it's time for us to not hide from the stigma of, you know, mental illness. I think that's number one. Uh, you know, it's not it's not something that we need to be shame of. There's so much more that we could do as as if as a whole if we if we face it instead of hide. And thank you so much for letting me talk about this and letting me be part of, you know, this podcast. And, and, um, and I was so happy. I'm so glad that you, uh, you would want to talk to me about, you know, my experience as a mom with, with a son with eating disorder. So thank you. I appreciate it, Andrea.